Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the 99% where the real gains are made. I'm here with Marilyn. Hey, guys. And we have a special guest, Dr. Autumn Ray. Hey there. Today, we are going to jump right in because we've got a very special episode. We are going to talk about everyone's favorite topic for the last year and a half, COVID. Who's excited? <laughs> So yeah, with, with racing coming back, we wanted to just do a little highlight episode on what the race scene looks like now and, and how maybe we can increase our safety as we return to some racing. Um, before we do that, let's just have Autumn tell us a little bit about herself, maybe her, her ex-triathlon background, running background, and what she's currently up to. Uh, well, it's really good to be here. I have to say that I am not a podcast listener, so there's great irony that I get to be on a podcast, but I don't listen to podcasts. Um, so it's a real pleasure. This is, <laughs> this is a real exception to the rule. But um, so I'm an emergency medicine physician, um, and I did my uh, medical school training in Texas, and I did uh, residency at the University of Arizona. Um, I've worked in multiple smaller and larger hospitals since residency. I'm currently the medical director of the ER in Sierra Vista. My running background, triathlon background, my triathlon background is now very old and dusty, and it should be left on that shelf at this point, I think. Um, my running background is a little bit more current. Uh, I started running when I got into medical school because I didn't have time to do triathlons because let's face it, triathlons take up a lot of time. Um, and so I started doing marathons and I've qualified for the Olympic trials twice and I'm currently back on track to hopefully qualify for a third time. We're pretty excited to have you here. That's like a you know, big resume for us to not only dive in from like the athletic side of things, but um, just you've been on the front line for a year and a half. So, you know, as it's evolved through the year, but also this is like real critical point, I feel like in, in the athletic world and that races for forever, we've just settled like races aren't happening. And we adjusted to how our year was going to look with no races, but we're really at that turning and crux point where it's like, okay, we are going we're, races are starting, they're happening. And we were talking earlier about how some sports are handling them different than other sports. But in terms of triathlon, you know, we've got a big race coming up this weekend. We had Miami, we've done lots of episodes on, on races coming back. But, but you get to experience not only from the athletic side, an elite athletic side, obviously, but, um, but then you're on the front line afterwards. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to hear about everything you have to say today. As am I. Um, so I guess to kick things off, what what have you seen? So you're you're more on the front lines. You do a lot of like treating of COVID patients. Correct. Yes. Go ahead. So I, I I will qualify my statements with, I'm a I'm a physician, so I definitely understand COVID from the medical standpoint and treatment and uh, recovery, the symptoms. Those are the sorts of things that I have a lot of experience in. Some of the things that you're you're talking about um, are more of a public health question, which are 
equally as important, uh, but a slightly different point of view. So I'll just qualify my statements as this is sort of my experience and my point of view, not necessarily my profession or my expertise. Thank you for that clarification. <laughs> um, all right, so when we take a step back and look at, I guess, what you've seen over the last year and a half, can you tell us in, in your mind where we're at and like the, the intake of patients and how the inflow of patients might, is looking to use it? Look, like, are we still as much as we were having six months ago? Were we on the downtrend? Right. Well, it's definitely been up and down, as a lot of people will, will say or hear. Um, we talk about the different peaks that have exper we've experienced going on. Um, around in, here in, in Arizona specifically, we certainly had a, a peak about a year ago in June, and then we had another big peak um, over the, the new November to January timeframe. After that, obviously the, the vaccine came out. Most, uh, not most, but many people were getting vaccinated and things started opening back up. This has resulted in a smaller peak uh, this spring. Um, and that has been interesting. It's been different from the other peaks in that I will say that the patients that are getting admitted at this point are the patients that haven't been vaccinated. So COVID is definitely still out there and alive and well, but the patients that are getting admitted are the ones that did not get vaccinated so far. Wow, that's interesting. So uh, that's a kind of an important criteria. There's a lot of people out there that are questioning whether or not to get the vaccine. Is it safe? Those sorts of questions. I think after as many millions of doses have been given at this point, um, and I can't even tell you how much that is, but it's, it's, it's a lot of doses of vaccine. We're seeing a very, very low um, complication rate with some pretty, pretty decent results. So. And do you think my internet speed increasing has anything to do with me getting vaccinated, or is that different? Um, directly related. Okay, good. Yes. <laughs> All right, good to know. <laughs> Thought I got a dose of 5G. Um, all right, well, that is good to hear that the vaccine seems to be working, especially like in what you're seeing on the front line. Yes. Um, so what about with, I guess, the, the population of people that probably are listening to this podcast are fairly healthy, athletic people or healthy in some regards. What have you seen as far as their recovery times from if if they happen to get COVID? Um, it has been extremely variable. And that's been the difficult thing about this whole virus is how unpredictable it really has been. There are some obvious risk factors like obesity and diabetes, some um, any sort of lung disease definitely puts you at a higher risk. And there's a lot more complications and a lot more hospitalizations. Obviously, triathletes are not exactly in that in, in that demographic, um, but we do still see um, that young people and healthy people are getting cases. Uh, we they generally are mild, but I've definitely seen people with long-term kind of lung or gastrointestinal problems that we can't really explain. Um, again, those aren't super common, but they are definitely there. And so that time, especially I think for younger people, 
is a little bit more unpredictable from you're hardly getting any symptoms to you're really getting a lot of symptoms and it's just not predictable. Um, in theory, you should run like more like a flu-like illness of seven to 10 days. You're gonna feel terrible. You're gonna have body aches. You're gonna have a fever. Um, but there's no way to guarantee that or prevent even that you're not going to have some long-term side effects. What about the, um, some athletes have expressed concern about um, heart issues with, with mm -hmm. the long-term effects with mm -hmm. COVID. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, again, variable. I've definitely seen them with some people getting like a pericarditis, like an inflammation around the heart. Um, a lot of, some people having scarring in their lungs, and then having that cause some heart, um, pulmonary hypertension, those, those sorts of things, rare, but it does happen. And again, that's why you go get your vaccine, please. <laughs> and is that something that, you know, like athletes with asthma, um, is it, is there higher, like, are you seeing things that are different for athletes with asthma or higher risk? Or, I mean, is that... Um, even athletes that had chronic bronchitis at some point in their life or um, anything different with those cases at all? Certainly COVID is flaring their symptoms, so it's definitely making them worse. Um, is, it is it making them have more long-term complications? I don't really know, and I don't know that we're going to know for a while. Um, until studies have come out, just like I, I think we were talking a little bit beforehand, this last year has been such a rapid year of science, um, and science doesn't typically work at that sort of pace, and so we're really having, um, we're not going to know all the answers, I think, for another few years until we've got all the data back and they've had time to crunch it. So the, what we do have back is pretty incredible in such a short amount of time. One of the things that um, some of my athletes that have gotten COVID when they come back is they experience, and not all of them, again, like you say, it's so random, but they experience an elevated heart rate for mm -hmm. quite some time. And you're trying to decipher whether how much of it is a loss of fitness from just having simply maybe two weeks off and how much of it is related to the actual illness. Do you have any thoughts on, on that? I personally think you need to pay attention to that number, not live by it, but you do need to pay attention to that number. Um, in emergency medicine, we, your high heart rate is actually your number one predictor of having a poor outcome. Like, and that's for everything that is for like, against every different disease. That's the number that I actually get more concerned about more than the blood pressure, more than the temperature. It's that high heart rate. So it is something I think to pay attention to and be sure that it's an objective measure of your body that you don't have to do any sort of intervention. You don't have to have blood draws. You don't need an EKG. You can, you can look and take your heart rate pretty simply and decide, is my body still responding to something? Um, usually over the course of two weeks, you shouldn't have a substantial increase in your heart rate or a decrease in your heart. I mean, right. mm -hmm. um, so I, I do believe that's a good predictor. That's good. I think that's really important for coaches and athletes to know because I've had 
athletes say, oh, I'll just ignore it and just keep mm -hmm. trucking on, and they, they get stuck on, like, pressing for their watts or their pace on their right. run, and, and they're, oh, I feel fine, I'm recovered from this. Meanwhile, you're looking at their data, and their heart rate is, like, right. you know, 15, 20 beats higher for a pace that they were doing, right. you know, two weeks ago, and, and you're trying to convince them, like, hey, let's just slow down right. for a little while and come back slowly. And um, so it's, you know, it's good to to know that that's, that is the right advice to give them and say, like, no, we, we need to not just brush this off to something that we shouldn't pay attention to. Yeah, we, we can't selectively pick our data as it works for us. I mean, <laughs> yeah. granted, we all do that, yeah. <laughs> but we need to be a little bit more consistent in our data analysis. If you're going to think it's important at one point when it looks good, it's important at the next point when it looks bad too. Like, <laughs> right. They both mean something. Right. I think that's really good advice, yeah. So pay attention to your heart rate, especially if you're coming back from COVID. And if you haven't got vaccinated, get vaccinated. Um, moving on to, I guess, if people are traveling to races. So we have like a few different things to unpack there. We've got like the travel, and then we've got the actual race setting. And all that's gonna look different than it's looked in the past. Um, and I guess I want to talk about the, maybe some, some do's and don'ts and where that threshold lies for people as far as like feeling safe. And I know we don't have all the answers and we're just kind of like using maybe some personal experience here, but, um, yeah, I guess let's start with the, the travel. Um, do you think the protocols that airlines have for flying should make people feel safe? get on an airplane no all right <laughs> moving on <Yeah>. check <laughs> um let me rephrase okay if you're vaccinated and wearing a mask and you still should you feel decently safe or is that still kind of like a, a a no a not great situation so here's here's the thing about public health it only works if the public is doing it <laughs> It, it, it doesn't work if you do it and nobody else does it. It doesn't work that way. It's about lowering everybody's risk. So, yes, I don't think you should get on an airplane if you have not been vaccinated and are not wearing a mask. But just because you have been vaccinated and you are wearing a mask doesn't mean that the person sitting next to you has been vaccinated and might be wearing a mask. So I think that's just the – that's – the risk that you have to appreciate. And that's why I think that it's a little bit difficult to say, yes, travel's fine, because we aren't even at 50% vaccinations for the United States. So we are not adequately vaccinated to say that there's enough herd immunity to, to safely do that technically right now. Um, and so the answer to your question is no, go with God. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> but, but that's why I, I can't say that, yes, travel is fine because I don't know that it is. Right, I, right. I, can't, I can't tell you that it is because I don't know who's sitting next to you. Right. And you don't know who's sitting next to you. And it can be an awkward, politically charged conversation <laughs> these right. days about, right. hey, by the way, are you vaccinated to the person sitting, to the random stranger sitting next to you? Um, so... Just, you know, my advice would be if you can drive, drive. Um, you isolate yourself in that sense and you lower your risk. Um, if you 
don't have to share space, then don't share space. Um, it's going to cause still some certain inconveniences, obviously, but hopefully you don't get sick then on the other side. So basically, I mean, if someone said, well, I am flying, mm -hmm. I am going, yes, I have been vaccinated, okay. I am going to wear a mask, what, are, what would you say, like, knowing that, knowing that going in, everything that you just said, what are, is there like any top five things that they could do just to, I mean, I know what your answer is already because you just said it, but it's like, if we're going to give people listening something, they're like, well... I'm getting on a plane tomorrow to head to a yes. race. Um, I've been vaccinated. I wear a mask. I use hand sanitizer. Like, is there, is there anything from like your perspective and what you've seen that, that people can just take on themselves, like self-responsibility, put it in a little bit better position? Or is it just sort of, well, you're making that decision. So whatever the outcome is, you have to live with the result. Um, well, I, I think people can be conscientious by like, I'm going to not stand here in with the mass of 100 people trying to get on the plane, you know, how it at least used to be where you were cattle called up or whatever. Um, avoiding those situations are helpful. You know, the, the thing is, is, the only thing you can do is kind of protect yourself. And, and it's the little things, like you said, using hand sanitizer, using your mask. I'm personally a big believer in getting adequate sleep like going into something really well rested so that your immune system is basically topped off, making sure that your nutrition's good so that your your body's getting what it needs and uh, not not getting worn down. Those are the sorts of things that you have to think about in these situations of how do I prevent myself? And because you're going to get exposed because you're sitting next to, I mean, you're standing next to somebody, you're sitting next to somebody, and there are just so many situations where you you can't avoid that. Um, and like you said, some people are just, I've got to go to this race or I got to, I got to go see grandma. I don't know. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just got to do the best you can to, to take care of yourself. Manage it the best you can. Yeah. yeah, sure. I guess it is too. Like if you're responsible for yourself, then you're maybe responsible for the five people next to you, hoping they'll follow your lead. Right. If they right. see that they're the only one in a hundred people not wearing a mask, they'll feel bad enough right. that they go and put one on or something, you know? Um, Peer pressure is lovely, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. And there's probably something to say with athletes. Like we talked about this on the last episode of, we talked about tapers into races and stuff. And I expressed that some athletes use travel day as their rest day. And I, I highly don't recommend mm -hmm. that. I said like rest mm -hmm. into your travel, travel well, and then, be rested out of your travel and then get back to getting sharpened up and opened up for your race. And I think it's, it's, um, it's good again to hear you say that with, I think that's, from a medical perspective yeah, as well. I um, think that's really good advice. I, I, I admire you for saying that because I think that's really good advice. I think travel's exhausting and we underestimate how exhausting it is to be alert and kind of on our feet, whether, you know, walking around, having to pay attention while you're driving. I don't care if you're sitting for six hours and driving, you're having to be upright and engaged and that's exhausting. And, and athletes are typically, although we're really, really healthy, we're also maybe pushing the edge on being Absolutely. lean and yep. um, a little bit nervous. Yep. So nervous energy, maybe all yep. of those kinds of things. And I think anytime we have that um, just in the background, we're more susceptible to, you know, it's like you, if you're a really high level athlete, you are maybe just a, hair more susceptible to picking up any little bug. Right. Um, so I, I think, um, you know, packing your own food so you're the touch 
you know, you're touching less and less things. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's there's things like that that people can do as they travel, if you have to. All right, so let's say we've now safely made it to the race. If hopefully we drove, if we flew, we did what we could and uh, pushed the people away that were trying to sit next to us. Um, so we've got to the race site. Races definitely look a little bit different. Uh, I, I think one thing that they've done in most races now is they've done away with the race briefing in person. So thankfully that's all done electronically now, which saves a, like one big place where people would be shouting, asking questions, all, all trapped in a room, which is good. They've also staggered packet pickup at most races where you have a time slot so that you're not um, being cattle called up to grab your packet. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of avoiding that, which, which I think is, is another good thing. So I think there's some things on the front end that the race is doing really well to help. Once the race starts, or right before the race starts, there, there's a few kind of hot sections of the race, I would say, like the, the start and the aid stations and the finish that I think have been addressed as best they can, but I was hoping we could talk about like what people maybe should and shouldn't be worried about about those situations. Um, so I guess starting with the start of the race, in general, there's going to be a group of people of some size, whether or not they break it up into smaller groups, and you know they'll probably be standing together. It'll probably be less than five minutes, and then everybody will jump in the water. I'd even like to back it up further. Okay. I would actually like to, um, one question, it might be a sensitive topic for some people, but it's going to be important to everyone before a race. How do you manage the porta-potties? <laughs> right. I mean, right? I mean, there's there's just no reality. Yeah. I mean, there's no way of working yeah. around that. It's a pretty important part of the yep, race. And absolutely. I, I was just speaking to a girl uh, on the weekend who was, she actually, you know, racing over in Belgium all year last year uh, on, with, the, with the pro bike races, and she said, um, you know, the, the porta potty situation, there was no porta potties available for them before the races. And that's just not a good answer. Yes. And so that's, I mean, obviously, obviously that's not going to happen in yeah. America. So there is going to be porta potties. People are nervous, that kind of thing. Is there, I mean, how do we, what, how do we look at that? How do we tackle that? I think the, um, lake water will be a lot warmer this year. <laughs> I also recommend people go in the porta potty one at a time. That's, <laughs> from my personal experience, that's always better. But uh... don't lick the door handle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. But I mean, probably. I mean, just to mention. I mean, maybe bring your own toilet paper. I mean, I don't know if that's a thing or. I mean, you get hundreds of people all using the same block of ten porta potties. I mean, is that even something? And you can tell me, is that something to even be worried about? Maybe that's not even a hot point to be worried about. So. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't worry about that, um, particularly in the sense that it seems as though, and again, the data is not all, all out, but, but it seems as though it's more close contact with people. That's the problem. Um, so when people are gathered together in a room, that's, that's when I, that's when we get a lot of results, uh, or positive results of, people had parties or like people came together for Thanksgiving and Christmas and they're sitting around the table for like an hour. That's when you get a lot of exchange of, of, of air and droplets. And that's what we're worried about. Um, everybody that goes in with gloves, I always kind of wonder about that because unless you're literally just changing your gloves, like every minute, you're 
still got the the bacteria on your your hands so it's not really improving anything and so i i don't think people are picking up the virus from touch so much it's it's a respiratory it's more of an inhaled sort of issue more than just a um an oral type of of contact if that makes sense i think that's really i I, i'm really glad that we brought this up not for the funny factor at the beginning but i think one of the things we wanted to like clarify when we started talking before was what are the points that are the things to worry about when we go to these races like you know so if we're going you say okay well the porta potties you don't really need to worry about um, so much, mm-hmm. like in terms of, like I said, maybe you bring your own toy, but we don't need to go crazy doing I, that. It's not going to matter. I don't think that's going to change anything. Yeah, however, what Jesse was just about to say was like at the start of the race. So, yeah. So I guess it, it does sound like maybe if you are in line for the porta potty, that might be an area where if you're standing in line for 20 minutes next to the same three people that are strangers, you yes. yes. want to keep your distance a little bit. Yes. And definitely don't go in the porta potty with anyone. Definitely not. Um, and if someone was in there and they were like singing their pump up jams while they're taking care of business, do we need to worry about like the virus hanging out in the air in the porta potty, or do you think it's probably all fallen down by then? Um, it does take more than just a few minutes. Like I, like for example, after we gave somebody a breathing treatment in the ER, I'm trying to think how long it was. We closed that room for a good 45 minutes after giving them a breathing treatment because we were concerned about that exact thing. Um, but again, if you've gotten on a plane to fly to this race and you're worried about going to the bathroom, you're stuck on the wrong thing. This isn't your biggest problem. Right. It, it, being in the, the porta potty. Right. Alone. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we've gone to the bathroom. Now we're heading to the race start. Um, and, and I've seen different races go off. And really, I haven't seen any way around the fact that you're jumping into water. So you can't wear a mask that close to the start because we don't want anyone to get waterboarded. Um, so at some point, everyone's mask has to come off while we're all fairly close together. Um, and that's, that's been a common trend I've seen in all the races is that, like I think the age group time trial start might, you might have a little less time where people are unmasked and close together. But like for the pro fields, we all ditched our masks, then we all stood there as they introduced half the field for 10 minutes and then we started. So there was a a good chunk of time where yes, we're all outside, but we're all kind of standing fairly close together. Um, Is that something I should be worried about? Yes, that's a concerning situation. Um, If people are wearing masks for most of the time and then just taking it off right before they jump in, how do you feel about that? That would be better. Okay. Yeah. and. I think the CDC just came out with guidelines literally within the last day or two regarding vaccinated people outside and loosening up some of those mask restrictions. So again, you're banking on the fact that everybody around you has a vaccine. Um, You know, how much of a gambler are you? But 
they are finding that that seems to be a, a fairly safe situation, being outside with other vaccinated people. So I would say it, it somewhat depends on how responsible the entire group has been. And I don't think what would make these races safe, and, and it's a tough one and, it, and it's a very charged suggestion, is to say that you have to be vaccinated to participate. Um, and that that's controversial all on its own. So we don't necessarily need to go there, but... Sounds good to me. I don't that's, know. That's what I mean. That's, I, they give us these cards, and right. I wonder, like, we all have to travel with passports. I'm right. like, at some point, are we going to have to have our card in our yeah. to be able to go to major events, sporting events? Um, anyways, yeah, that's a big, big conversation. My but. guess is that in the U.S., you won't. But keep it in case you need to go to Europe. So that would be my thought on that. But that's really the only way that you could kind of feel fairly comfortable in that situation. All right, so don't breathe before the start of the race. Right. Got that. Get hypoxic. <laughs> build up that lactic acid before you even get going. Cool. Fair enough. Um, so another thing that I know a lot of people are pretty concerned about, and there's been a lot of actually like safety briefings from Iron Man about how the aid stations are going to be run. Like they're sending YouTube links or these like 15-minute YouTube clips going into real depth about um, – the ins and the outs of the aid stations and um i personally i was never too concerned about the aid stations until i started seeing all these safety protocols and i was like well well should i be i don't know my guess is that iron man has not actually done any scientific studies <laughs> to determine whether or not these are truly safe protocols and that they are likely just covering their ass that's what i think but i haven't seen the protocols and I haven't talked to their lawyers, so I can't say that for sure, but that would be my guess. Um, and again, if you're spending that much time at the aid station, well, you're not really having a very good race now, are you? Yeah, so, let's say less than 30 seconds. The aid station. <laughs> to me, that's not a major point of contact, probably. Okay. I mean... I don't know. I, I guess I never spent that much time out of the aid station. So I, I really wouldn't know. I mean, are people having coffee together? Um, are they like sitting down for a meal? No, I think like the things that they've changed, or a lot of things they've changed is like having open cups out uh -huh. and then having multiple people touch these cups and then having people say hand cups to the actual athletes. Whereas now the cups are on the table or they're in, they're in closed bottles so that the cups aren't open, and then there's not that athlete volunteer contact at all anymore. Um, but again, I would say if an athlete is moving quickly, running or walking quickly through the aid station, or even on their bike going by an aid station, which now even look a little bit different, I guess, if so you'll be there for, I don't know, tops 30 seconds if you're walking slowly. Um, Let's go back to the old protocol. Do you think you should be concerned if someone's actually handing you a cup as you're walking by? No. All right. So, but there is all this other safety protocol, and I do know people were pretty concerned about that. So maybe that's kind of like the bathrooms, like maybe not a place we should be putting a whole lot of concern since surfaces don't seem to be. This isn't my primary. Yeah, that would not be a place in the race that I would be concerned about. 
um, you're going to get a whole lot more exposure standing there at that race start like we talked about, hanging out for several, you know, and I've been there sometimes a long time, all packed in there together. Like that, that is not the ideal situation. Um, passing by somebody briefly, like basically as much as you would if you were past them on the road while you were running. Um, I, you know, I don't get worried if I'm on the, the bike path here in Tucson and I'm just, we're both running in opposite directions. Like the, it, that's not a concern of mine that I'm going to suddenly get infected. And that to me is the same as pretty much the aid station. I'm not, as long as the, um, volunteers at the aid station are wearing a mask, like we're decreasing transmission. That, that isn't my, my biggest concern. I think what's really, what's really great about this conversation is, and as people head to these races, is we're really clarifying where there's spots to be concerned. Like, like we said, the porta potty is not a concern. The start gathering is a concern. The aid stations where there's being a lot of emphasis being put on really aren't a concern. So someone might be really going to this race thinking, man, I'm going to be I'm not even going to use the aid stations. I'm going to carry all my stuff. But then they're they gather with 15 people at the finish with their friends right. and their family and hang around. And you're like, actually have that backwards. What right. you need to do is go ahead and use those aid stations. You're just fine. Yeah. But as soon as you finish, carry on through. Make sure that you don't hang around right. with anyone. Let's not make sure, like, don't call all right. your friends over. So right. I think the most important thing that people can take away from this conversation is really clearly understanding where, as you head to these races, where are these points that you need to be more careful, more mindful, set a good example, um, you know, so it's it's not really like, oh, do we need to worry about we all have to have our own nutrition this whole race? That's not really worry. It's more if you plan on stopping at the aid station and there's five volunteers there, that might be more of a concern for you. Right. you plan your plan your yeah. your aid stations quickly and briefly move through them. But my aid station question, and maybe maybe Iron Man's aid station question again. I didn't talk to the lawyers. I don't know. Maybe more about the concern for the volunteers being together and cross contamination there rather. Even that would be, from a director's point of view, that would be my concern. If you've got a group of people that are going to hang out together for multiple hours in, you know, fairly close proximity, presumably touching a lot of things back and forth. I mean, there's a lot of, of teamwork there that goes into it. That's actually what I would be more concerned about. And I don't know how much of their adjustments have more to do with protecting the volunteers that are working at the aid station versus the athlete volunteer interactions. And I, I don't know exactly how that has played out in their mind. Yeah, I'm, and I also don't know, I've only seen the, the literature they're pushing to the athletes and, and hopefully the race directors and the volunteers are getting some protocols around there to help keep the volunteers safe. Um, Cause that'd be a bummer to get St. George sick um, or any other races. It'd be interesting to see if that, as these all these races go through, just as a like side topic, if they actually keep um, data and statistics of how many people who raced, how many people are sick afterwards. And I don't even know how they would get that. Like it would, uh, you know, reporting that kind of thing, or if there would be even a way to collect it. But it sure would be interesting. I mean, it would probably help them develop better protocols throughout the years as they come if they had some kind of data analysis after the races, right. after the events. But I'm sure that's like something in the future or... Again, I don't think Ironman Live is conducting scientific studies here, so <laughs> I'm just guessing that that's not going to happen. Oh, right, right. Um, one of the... But, I, you know, I think one of the common things is people come to races is we go there to see our friends mm -hmm. a lot of time, and people have been starving for 
getting together with their friends, doing an event that they love. And I think based on, you know, everything that you're mentioning, if, if people can take one thing into the races, it's do what you love, get out there, um, but put a, put pretty thoughtful planning into how many post-race group photos you're going to do, um, get together dinners, um, all these things that we really love and we've been like really hoping to have, but they need to be done in baby steps. We finally just got back to racing. So let's plan these pieces according to, to where we're really at. Right. Yeah. That would be my concern as well, because you know, the race director is probably focused on getting people into the race safely and through the race safely. And then, Oh gosh, you're done. You like, didn't drown you know you didn't flat out like oh my god you crawled to the finish and you're free and you want to go tell everybody about your race and you know you want to go have that beer and let's let's talk about that from like a health standpoint of you've just put an incredible stress on your body your immune system is now lowered and then you're going to go hang out together so it's like the worst possible time to be doing that sort of thing. Yeah, I think that's a that's a really good take home because I think everyone's does drop their guard after a race. Like mm-hmm. they've they've come they've done what they've come to do, so nothing matters anymore. But but really, like you probably want to race again. Probably want to stay healthy. And it seems like that's your most susceptible time. Number one, like just because your immune system is going to be kind of cracked. And number two, because your guard is down and you're going to want to go hug a bunch of strangers and kiss babies and um you know do whatever else so that's i think it's maybe something to focus on a little bit that that is a time to really keep your guard up and i know the races i've seen they're they're giving masks out at the finish line and um people are being you know a little bit hit or miss with you know putting them on right away and everything you're you're sweaty you're tired it's not exactly what you want to be doing and and again, I think like even just having that mask on is that physical reminder that you're still in a, in a pandemic and this is still happening, even if you get that chance to race. So maybe trying to use that as your, your mental reminder that you need to still like, if you're going to go eat some food with a bunch of people, you need to kind of be selective and whatever else, like, because that, that might be the, the most dangerous time of the race. I don't know if you'd agree with that or not. Um, certainly in terms of of your risk for getting sick and not just, not just COVID. I mean, it's something to think about. We're very focused on COVID, but it's not just COVID. Um, it's all the spring GI bugs and it's every other respiratory virus that's out there. And any one of those is going to take you down, you know, and out of training and make your recovery longer after that race. So, and is there, Is there, like, I know a lot of people come in with the attitude of, well, I'm vaccinated, so do now all of these protocols change for me? You know what I mean? Like, what's your, what's your opinion on that? Like, um, and I've, I've heard it plenty of times already just in day to day. It's like, well, I'm vaccinated now, so I can, I don't, I can go into the grocery store without my mask now and all these things. So just, I mean, I already know what your answer is, but (laughs) I, I think it's just important because, you know, does it does it remove all we're talking everyone no when no one is vaccinated we all bought in or most a lot of people bought into what we needed to do but people might be changing how they handle themselves based on well i'm vaccinated now so um so we have to go back and remember the purpose of a vaccine the purpose of a vaccine is to have immunity built up 
so that when you do get infected, you don't have as bad of a, a response to it. So the purpose of a vaccine is actually to decrease hospitalizations and complications. So some of those, those things that we talked about earlier in terms of like long-term lung effects or heart effects, that our body is primed so that we don't have this overwhelming response and have some of those comp long-term complications. It's not a get out of jail free card. It is not, you will not get this again. It's the same as any other vaccine. The idea is to prevent the spread by having more people, you know, making it harder for the virus to move around because more people are immunized. And then for the people that do get it, that their s symptoms aren't as bad. So it is definitely not a, I won't get it because I have a vaccine. So that's something that I think has been very much lost in the public health message going out with the vaccine. That makes a lot of sense. Thanks. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that was that was some great food for thought. I think athletes can glean a lot about what they are uh, kind of getting themselves into here, and, and maybe some ways to stay a little safer. Yeah, I think you know, as we, uh, you know, I think it's exciting that we're finally getting to go do some things that we love, and I think the more whether it's you know listening to this podcast with the great information you've given us or things that they read and, and collect as, as much as they can to put themselves in a, in a good position and not only keep themselves safe, but spread the mes message of how can we keep everybody safe, that herd mentality that you said. So if we are gonna get back to our lives, which we, we are and we hope to and we wanna enjoy these things, but if we can go into it loaded with as much good information as possible, then then hopefully that'll just keep getting better and better. So you know, I really appreciate you putting all that out there. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much for your time. Um, and thank you, Marilyn. Oh, thanks, guys. <laughs> all right. We'll get back to you guys next time. Bye. Cheers. <laughs>